most people think it's horrific to opt to have part of your body cut off. And, you know, I'd like for me, I was pushed into a corner. I can remember distinctly being in, being in the house in when we were living in Cardiff on a summer day and watching the kids playing outside in the garden, banging on the glass saying, daddy, daddy, look at me, look at me. And I'm there soaked in sweat from all the morphine in my system, just thinking I, I'm not a husband. I'm not a father. I'm 100% not a soldier. So I don't know what I am. I've lost all my identity. I need to take some sort of control. So the physical thing for me was go back to Headley Court, you know, do my uh, homework and present a case to them that they wouldn't be able to throw out. So I said, look, I need an amputation of my left leg because of this reasons. And I've done case studies and these people are like me and this is going to give me my life back. And they were like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Right, let's get get some assessments done to make sure mentally you're, you're in the right frame of mind and everything. And it was a bit of a whirlwind then. Off I went to London, went in, leg off, you know, and yet it was really hard, but it was the, be the beginning of the new version of me. Okay. You know, and, and you know, and I... I sort of never looked back from there. You know, it, it really did give me my life back. And that's how I ended up sort of transitioning out of the military. You know, I was uh, very involved with Help for Heroes and, you know, the whole sports recovery thing, you know, which sort of brings us on to like how, how we met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? And so before we go into that, Baloney, um, where was the amputation done in regards to placement, I guess? Uh, about uh, mid-shin. Mid-shin. Yeah, okay. yeah. And and what what does that look like in regards to recovery from that was you still going back to Headley Court yeah, to, to yeah. get I mean that their, their their help there was incredible right so they helped you walk again uh what does that look like oh Headley Court is the most in incredible place ever you know I I was on a lower limbs course regularly going back um to rehabilitate from my my injuries before I had the amputation but then after the amputation I went into complex trauma which is like, it's like a five-star, um, all-inclusive version of Headley Court. You know, it's incredible. Like, it, like I, I'd spent a lot of time at Headley Court and I knew what it was all about. But then when I got in with the complex trauma team, it was completely different. You know, it just accelerated everything. You know, every aspect of my, excuse me, every aspect of my, my day when I was at Headley Court was built around you know, how can I get better and fitter and stronger and, you know, get a better fit in socket, you know, go through that process, like you said, of, you know, zipping around in a wheelchair and working on my fitness and, you know, making sure my scars healed up to getting on a leg and being allowed to stand on a leg, you know, with crutches or in bars and then with sticks, uh, you know, and then being allowed to take my leg home with me, which sounds weird, but yeah. like the typical nature of us, as soldiers, we were always, always push things too far because we'd be frustrated or we always want to drive things as fast and as hard as we can, you know? So I can remember being told, right, you, there you go. There's your leg. You can take your leg home only wear it for X amount of hours and blah, blah, blah. And we went for a walk way beyond what I was told to do, <laughs> uh, to go and see some waterfalls. And I had a big, massive blister on the end of my leg and wasn't able to put it back on. So I learned my lesson, okay. you know? So again, we're always learning, you know, how, how do you manage... Uh, your physical injuries, but also while I was at Headley Court, you know, I was, you know, receiving treatment for PTSD. There, they've got a mild traumatic brain injury team there as well, you know, which would, which would, which unpicked the whole thing for me and made me understand it and gave me strategies. So I can't, because I can't visualize numbers. I can visualize a pattern, though. Okay. So, 
if if I need to to remember and you know like a like a number, then I would visualize what the pattern would be. You know, so if it's a code or something like that for a, like a gate or a door, you know, I, I I understand that. If I need to learn people's names, I know to associate what their names are with something I already know, a famous person or a or a team or whatever it might be. You know, so they gave me all these strategies, so I was able to manage that. And over the years, I still use these strategies now. Um, but it was it was literally. Um, just the the best rehabilitation environment I could ever have asked for. Nice, nice, and that allowed you to set new goals and uh, sports. Is that coming into it? Is is that what kept you going? Yeah, I I, I mean, like um, I can remember not long after I'd been up and on my leg properly. You know, battle back took us away skiing. You know, like so I got away skiing and like I still wasn't walking great. You know, and I found it really painful on a prosthetic. Um, but then like when, when you spend hours like skiing and twisting your leg all over the place, you know, it, it, it built up the resilience. So off the back of coming back from the skiing, not only did I have this amazing trip, you know, and was able to zoom around and do something I haven't done for a long time, but also all of a sudden, like my leg was much better and I could walk on it better. And then I got into this frame of mind of like, right, just don't even think about it. Just go out and do, you know? So I sort of pushed and pushed and pushed and, you know, it was you know, further further down the line then where, you know, I, I got sort of set my sights on Invictus and I thought, you know what, I, I, I love sports rehabilitation, how, how you can use it as a vehicle, you know, to improve your physical state, your mental state, achieve things. Whereas like pre-injury, you know what I mean? Like you had all these achievements, you know, be it promoting or being the best at something or doing something great, you know, being on an operational tour, all of a sudden you've lost your identity and now this is giving you a little bit back and you can focus in a different way. And, you know, um, the whole road to Invictus, you know, yes, I didn't complete that road, but I think for a good reason, you know, um, starting off with the, the US Air Force trials and getting out there and getting on a bike and doing some discus and shot, shot put and thinking, do you know what, I, yeah, I got the hang of this and, you know, feeling what it's like to compete again yeah as well it just awakens a bit of a beast in you because we all we're all competitive animals absolutely you yeah. know what i mean and uh, but, but also being part of a team and in an environment you know what i mean uh, and, and having that banter the good banter again you know because you know what it's like um you know when when, you, when you're injured the only time you're together with a group is when you're at like headley court once you've like done headley court and you've completed it you know, that's you, you're sort of, you're either on your way out of the military or you're off on a post in somewhere or you're in the process of leaving the military. You don't really have a connection with other veterans and serving soldiers that you've got that common bond with anyway because you're all in the same boat because you've been injured. So the whole sports recovery thing was amazing. And, you know, to, to, to go out the first time and then to go out and take part in the Warrior Games in 2015, I think it was, wasn't it? Oh, 2015 was um, the Nellis Air Force Base uh, for the US Air Force mm. trials. So I think it was 2016 for you with... Oh, no, sure was, it was it the same year? Was yeah, it the same I'm sure year? it was. Ah, that's right. Yeah, because I had a surgery that year, so I didn't actually go out and compete. That's it. Yeah, because I competed the following year in, in the Warrior Games. So you went out, you essentially went out to America twice in 2015 Yeah, to compete in the uh, Air Force trials and then the actual Warrior Games. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So yeah, what, what was the Warrior Games like for, for you? A, a, a totally different kettle of fish. Was there? way more humidity <laughs> out there, um, but but it was really transformative for me. And it sort of, you know, we talk about sports recovery, and and you you almost think about it as quite a linear thing, right? I am a competitor in whatever sport I'm in, and this is going to 
take me to Invictus Games or, you know, Paralympics, depending on what you do or give me the, these life goals. But for me, it was completely different. So like I, I, I'd i um, been out there and I was, I was competing in discus and there was this um, US Marines guy, quite tall guy. He's had real problems with PTSD and stuff. And like, I, I just hit a really good throw and I was really pleased with it. And I'm at the back of the cage now watching the other competitors thinking, yeah, I think I reckon I got this now. And um, this, this guy went up and big, massive guy and he threw and he, you know, like fouled his throw and he had a bit of a meltdown and stuff and his, his uh, partner was trying to chill him out and stuff. And I went up to him and I was like, oh, look, mate, come on, you got this. Look, with these big, massive levers you got, you know, you should be smashing this, you know, and he was like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I said, look, just think about three things. So what I want you to do now is you're just going to pick a point in the distance, okay? And I want you to, when, when you go to throw, you go big chest. So really push your chest out and pull your arms back. And then the third thing then is when, when you bring that discus around, is just use your hand like a blade to chop the top off those trees. So just follow through, just focus on those three things and let everything else fall out of your mind. Anyway, like he went up and hit his next throw and he absolutely nailed it. Um, you know what I mean? And, and, and he turned around with this big smile on his face. And, you know, as far as I remember, like I'm pretty sure I got silver and he got gold or something <laughs> like that. So it was my experience of not coaching your, your, your competition. But yeah. like it really had an impact on me. I got more enjoyment out of seeing him succeed than I had ever got in winning anything or competing in anything, you know, because as you know, as a competitor, you, it's all about you. It's about you doing better every time in whatever discipline you're you're in. And I thought, well, I, do you know, that's not actually what makes me tick. I get more enjoyment out of seeing others succeed. So I, I got this um, um, Staff Sergeant Jacob Rich um, award, you know, for camaraderie, you know, which I had been nominated by all the other nations that were attending. So at the the, the the closing ceremony, I got called up on stage and given this award, which I was completely embarrassed about, you know, but his family were there and, you know, handed me this award. And it was because the teams had seen the impact I'd had on others by assisting. So on the flight, on the way home, I just thought to myself, do you know what? I don't want to go to Invictus Games. I don't want to do any of that. I want to, I want to be a coach or a mentor or something where I can help others. And maybe that's where I can, you know, find my real um, worth again. Because, you know, my, my, my self-value was extremely low, you know, like post-injury, you know, it, it was always like, I always had this ghost of the pre-injured me, the soldier version of me and what I am now. And I could never compare to that. Okay. Um, so you're always fighting against that. And, uh, you know, in those little moments, I, I, I found the, that, that energy, that, that, you know, puff your chest out, that, that pride in, achieving something making a difference putting a smile on someone's face showing them that they can do and that's sort of what led into coaching and where i'm at now nice nice we'll, we'll definitely definitely come on to that very shortly um so you're flying back in 2015 at that point are you still in the military or had you left by that point um uh, bit hazy i'm pretty sure i was still I'm pretty sure I was still serving then. Still serving then. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and what year did you um, have the operation on on your leg, the amputation? Uh, I can't, I can't, I can't remember. remember. Cause you, I just remember like I, when I got in. Yeah, you you probably had to work it out. So I got I got injured in 2008. Yeah. 
and then I then I had the surgery basically five years after that. So I went through five years of trying to keep the leg. Okay, so 2013. Yeah, sounds yeah, about so right. And then two years later, you're competing in the Warrior Games. Yeah, pretty epic. Two years after an amputation, so you you come back. You you, you feel like you can do more as a coach, as as you say, a mentor. So what does what does that look like when you land back in the UK? Um, moving forward yeah I mean a little bit of a fire in me you know I thought I thought to myself well I haven't felt like this in a long time so you know I told my wife and everything I said right I'm done with like um sports recovery it's it's helped me recovered I think I found something cool that is gonna you know be something for me you know but helping others you know and um so I, I I went and assisted at uh, the local rugby club. So I was the parent on the sideline that was a bit over eager to help the coach. And, you know, <laughs> the coach would be struggling some days. I'm like, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll help you with this. Or <clears throat> would you be interested in being a coach? I was like, oh, yeah, why not? You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, quite quickly I ended up in a course, um, on a course, uh, my uh, level one um, rugby coaching course in uh, Risca. And um, I turned up on the course and uh, the guy that was overseeing the course, who's a coach development officer for the Dragons region, um, like we got to chat in and everyone sat down and they'd done their introductions and everything. And they said, right, everybody get changed now. We're going to go do a warm up and then we're going to do some practicals. And I was like, okay. I said, I, I might be a couple of minutes because I've got to take my tracksuit bottoms off, change my leg. And uh, the guy just looked at me a bit strange and he was like, what are you on about? Change your leg. And I, I took my tracksuit bottoms off okay. and he was like, oh, change your leg. Okay. So he always reflects back on this and says, I always read the register now. So if anyone's on a course and somebody says that they've got a disability, I can see it's there. So, but um, this this chap, Nigel, amazing bloke. His son was actually in um, my my old infantry battalion. Right. So we, we got to chat in and he used to do a role for the Welsh Rugby Union, which, uh, which was a disability officer. So when I completed the course, he said, uh, look, dad, you know, you've done fantastic. You've obviously got a natural ability at coaching. Come down to the Disability Six Nations in Ustradmanach and, and come and check it out, see, see what you think. So I went down to this event and there was children there with disabilities of all ranges, um, just having a great time and playing our national sport. I love rugby, always played rugby, you know. So seeing all the smiles on faces and everything, you know, I was quite ge uh, G'd up, you know, a freshly minted coach. I was like, right, how can I uh, get involved? Like, what's, when's the next thing? And they were like, oh, well, no, this is it. There's just one one event um and that's it so I, me being me i was like well well what about this and what about that and why don't you do this and you should do that xyz <laughs> so it, it, it quickly snowballed then into a situation where i'd like wrote an email to the welsh rugby union and you know said look you should be doing this this and this and it'd be amazing and, blah, blah. and they made fair play they come back to me and said well if you think you can do it you do it so i said right well so <laughs> i sort of got taken on um as a community coach um you know, just work, casual working. But I put in so many hours that it was ridiculous because it wasn't because I was pushing for a full-time role. It was because I loved what I was doing. My whole sort of thing was um, I, I designed this um, disability schools program. So I would go into, say, five special schools or uh, schools that have uh, SEN units, so children with disabilities within a unit in a mainstream school. Right. And, and over a series of four weeks, 
I would run sessions in those schools, building these children up slowly to a point where they could play the game. So teaching them all about rugby. And then on the fifth week, then we'd bring all these schools together and we'd have a big festival. So a rugby festival, we'd do loads of skills in the morning. And then after that, then they'd all play against each other. And then they'd all be on their merry way. So you generate all this energy. So going into all these schools and the one common theme was like, we wish we'd always had this, you know what I mean? And and also the, the, this this thing that sort of reared its head and something now I've gone into like sort of educating coaches and developing my own courses. There's like, there's this fear factor around um, working with people with disabilities. Um, and and it's totally unfounded, you know, people, it's, it's fear of the unknown. Yeah. So yeah. I've worked with coaches that have got huge amounts of experience, way more experience than me, but then you put them in an environment where they've got children with autism and they just absolutely fold because they just they, they can't cope with it they don't understand it you know so I said all right then we need to do we need to do some work around coach education here how can we better improve this and you know we you know my, my role then sort of transitioned I, I, I'd proven to the Welsh Rugby Union that there was a real appetite for this and a demand and it's something that we should be doing so they brought in a disability rugby strategy and it gave me a full-time role to like sort of service that strategy and really bring it to life so I just I just took the ball and just ran with it. And, you know, we've, we've developed to such a point now where, you know, we're probably the, the sector leaders in inclusion, uh, in, in, in rugby, you know, if not in quite a lot of sports, that's cool. You know, it's, and you know, we recently won, a, a um, an award, you know, for in sport organization of the year, which, you know, it's, it's not about me and, like, um, and what I've done. It's about the journey and how the organization bought into it, you know, and, when I when I was first sort of uh, looking at, you know, transitioning from being this like sort of part-time, just working by the hour sort of coach, which I could afford to do because, well, I'm I'm effectively a pensioner, you know, I, I get my sergeant's wage, you know, every, every month, you know, it's money isn't really a concern. It was more about like finding where I could, you know, make a difference. And, you know, going into the role, it was all about that. It was about, you know, I, I genuinely think I can make a difference, but I also think with a little bit of work, you can make the whole organisation realise that it, this isn't a nice thing, nice to do sort of thing, oh, I love it, or oh, working with kids with disabilities or adults with disabilities, but actually it's what we should do. Yeah. And, and and to be really successful, any organisation should be reflective of their uh, their their, pub, their, their public, their participants, their customers, you know, and in Wales, the Welsh Rugby Union, you know, it's it's it, it's a quite a big brand and, you know, we need to be reflective of the Welsh society. So just because there's a child there that has Down syndrome, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that it doesn't love rugby and love watching rugby or playing rugby, you know, so why not prov provide those opportunities? And in all fairness, you know, like the organisation was just like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's cool. do, and if we're going to do it, let's do it properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we did. Great. You know? Sounds like you're getting a lot from it as well. I love it, mate. So, I absolutely love it. That's that's so cool. That's cool to hear that <laughs> you've helped develop something within the whole country of Wales, really. Um, and yeah, like you say, changing the, out, the, the, the mindset and the thought process of certain things. So that's really, really cool. Um, I just want to wind back a little bit. Um, do you remember the year that you did effectively leave the military? Because obviously oh. there's like a transition there from military to civilian and it sounds like that was quite good for you. 
Yeah, um, I can't, like I said, because it's numbers. That's fine. I can't remember off the top off the top of my head, but you know, like I quite often talk about about transition, and you know, for me, really, when I got into complex trauma at Headley Court, that was the beginning of my transition out of the army. Okay. So okay. whereas, like with a lot of guys, they'll transition out, they'll know they're leaving, and then they a year later they're basically out of the army. Yeah. So they're cramming with courses and getting in their garden and leaving all that sort of stuff. So it can be quite abrupt. For me, it was a lot more of a slow process. I, I, I'd effectively stopped being a soldier in 2008, the moment I was injured. Right. You know, right. I just wouldn't let go. And then when I, I went and sat on the board and, you know, the medical board and they, they said, look, you, you can't be a soldier anymore. Yeah. That had just confirmed it for me, but I still couldn't accept it. But during my time at Headley Court and being around so many people where, you know, like I... I wouldn't say I've ever been a selfish person. You know, like I said, I've always tried to think of others first. You know, when you're in a place like Headley Court, you you can't be a selfish person because there's always somebody there that's worse injured than you. So you never get the opportunity to like, like I, I, I've been there when I've been doing like circuits and I've been hanging out, you know, Irene, and I, I've had one of the lads turn around to me. He was a double amputee. He's saying, come on, keep up. And he's like, oh God, I can't, I can't show any weakness here. I need to keep going. So, you know, it sort of makes your injury sort of fall by the wayside and, you know, makes you focus on what's, what's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a good way to wrap it up for sure. This, this whole episode of yours um i've learned so much and and listening to everything you've gone through has been a real real good uh journey to to go through with you so thank you for that um before we do wrap up though um i i would like you to maybe give some advice um some maybe experience that you you want to share with somebody that's thinking of joining the military mm. you mentioned that your daughter's thinking of that yeah. but there might be others out there that are considering so what advice could you give to those? Uh, well, look, um, it's the same advice as what I gave my daughter, you know what I mean? Like you, you could look at me and, and almost, you know, use me as an example of why you shouldn't join the army. But like the best years of my life currently, when I reflect back, are my 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 days in, in the army, you know what I mean? Like to be able to get out of that goldfish bowl of home and expand your worldview, experience things that no one would ever believe you know, uh, go places and just, it's, 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 it's not a job, it's a lifestyle, you know, and you'll have friends within the military your whole life. There'll be, there'll always be someone there, uh, who will remember you and reminisce with you over something. You know, I, I never thought that I'd get to the stage where I sit down and chat with my friends about times past, you know what <laughs> I mean? But it, it rolls up on you quickly. And I, you know, when you go to like, um, reunions and stuff you're part of a of a of a family you know uh, a brotherhood you know which doesn't it isn't gender related it it, gen, it genuinely is you know you, you it's it's something that just joins you you don't have to be injured or anything like that yeah you maybe have a bit of a closer bond with those sort of people but because you've got that shared experience but you've got shared experience with so many it's like we we served in different parts of the army yet we've got a common bond and we're friends by by default you know, because we understand each other. And, you know, that's something that you don't really get from other jobs in life or roles or, you know, it, that, that's something that even my daughter, when she joins the army, she she will get to experience that herself, you know. And for, for people that maybe leaving the army, 
You know yeah, what I mean? the veterans. Yeah. yeah. What, what what advice have you got for them? Yeah. Well, you know, we we quite often un- undervalue ourselves. You know, and and again, I I suppose it's the flip side of this. You know, um, you spend so much of your time. I mean, you can you can serve like twenty two years plus in the army, dependent on your career and where it where it takes you and. You know, like a lot of words get banded around, you become institutionalized. You don't know what it's like to live in the real world and, you know, dealing with bills and da da da, not everything else. But again, you've got experience there, this sort of tacit knowledge that you can't learn in school, you can't learn in college, university skills that you can bring to the table that will make you so valuable to your organization or, you know, like, or even value to yourself. You know, I mean, once you identify, I mean, like, I picked myself for example now I my, my my dream job was always to be a soldier ever since I was a kid always wanted to be a soldier well I, I, I'm effectively in my dream job again now because I'm helping people you know I'm, I'm a completely different person but the tools the the recipe for for what I do now and it being successful is based all around the experience I had in the army and my understanding of people and you know my work ethic my drive and determination and my attention to detail, my, my ability around planning, you know, all of that transfers into projects and things like that. So, you know, I would just say never undersell yourself. You are worth so much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that I wish I heard, had heard (laughs) (laughs) when when I left, when I left, but uh, yeah, absolutely right. So great advice. Thanks so much. So I think we have come to the end. Um, Is there anything that you thought about that you wanted to share that we haven't or have we covered everything? Oh, I, I feel like I've talked way too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been really good. And, and how was the experience for you to, to come on and share what you've shared? Oh, it's brilliant. It's like sitting down with a friend and having a catch up. We haven't, we haven't caught up in how many years now? Yeah, five, six years yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's been a really nice experience. And, and again, if this is something that helps others, you know, then, then it's a value. You yeah. know what I mean? And, I, and, I, and I'm glad to share for that reason. Great stuff, great stuff. Well, like I said earlier, thanks so much for sharing your experiences and, and, and the stories that you've got from your time in and, and also for your time uh, because, you know, we don't have infinite amount of it. And so thank you for giving some of that today. Oh, thank you. And lastly, I did pre-warn you of this. Mm. I'm going to thank you for your service. So thanks for your service. Oh, thank you for your service. Oh, thanks very much. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Military Veterans Podcast, out.